You're listening to the voice of the future, fighting for America every day. This is the conservative crusader. And here's your host, GOP Josh. Hello and welcome to the conservative crusader. My name is GOP Josh. Thank you for tuning in here on the Red Future Radio Network. Very excited to be with you all today on this broadcast. And before we begin, this isn't great for listener retention, but it is great for information, which is extremely more important. If you want to hear about the state central committee races of the Republican Party in Ohio, or just a couple state representative races in that same state, in the great state of Ohio, my home state, I joined the Samuel McGuire Show, the other podcast here on the Red Feature Radio Network, the great show, the number one show, I believe, just just personal opinion on that one, on the Red Feature Radio Network, his program, and we talked about the state central committee races and the importance of them and the ones that won and the ones that lost, went through all 66 of them, I believe, and it was a pretty great episode. It was a great discussion with Sam. So if you want to listen to that, I will post the link in the show notes below for the Apple podcast. You can also go to redfutureradio.com slash TSMS. That is redfutureradio.com slash TSMS to listen to his show and that discussion between me and him about the state central committee. All right, let's hop right into this episode with a little bit of a condolence message for the Indiana representative uh, Jackie uh, Walarski who passed away in a car crash yesterday um, in her northern Indiana district along with two members of her congressional staff and another person, police said. Happened at about 12.30 when a car crossed the center line on State Highway and collided head-on with the SUV. Walorski was riding in, the Elkhart County Sheriff's Office said. Three people in the SUV, including Walorski, 58, were killed as, the woman driving the, in, as was the woman in, driving in the other car, authorities said. This is from PBS. And I, I, I just want to give my condolences to her family, her friends, her staff, her constituents. Representatives on both sides of the aisle were talking on social media about how great of a friend she was, how great of a representative she was. She seemed easy to work with. She seemed uh, very patriotic. She loved America. She loved her job. She loved her constituents. And she loved Indiana. So as we're going into this time, this time will be difficult for her and her family. So I'm going or her, her family, and friends and colleagues. So pray for them. Pray f- to to make sure that they have the strength to get through this tragedy. And um, re- rest in peace to her. So we are going to move on a little bit with some key updates from the August second primary. There was a lot of primaries in a few different states. I consider it the Super Tuesday number two of the primary elections, as it pretty much was, as many of them. There, there are a couple really big primary days, August 2nd being one of them. Ohio will not be discussed here. Like I said, if you want to talk about Ohio, listen to that, that episode with me and Sam. But Kansas has upheld abortion rights in their legislation they actually had a constitutional amendment on the ballot proposing the value them both amendment. And I want to say something about this before we move on is people are going to use this and the Republican Party establishment is going to use this as an ex- as an excuse to be pro-choice, as an excuse to be anti-banning abortion. It's because, well, voters in the R20 state Kansas struck down the amendment. They struck down this legislation, and if you actually read the legislation, if you read 
what was in this bill and in this ballot initiative, it is very, um, it's just very partisanly written. It's not, it's written by Republicans, I believe, but it's not written to favor the Republicans. The, The legislation is written to, it seems to mislead the public, mislead the people into not really knowing what it does. When a clear written ballot initiative is put into place and put on the ballot, such as in Louisiana, such as in other places, people are pro-life. Specifically, Republican voters are pro-life. And the Republican Party needs to be the pro-life party. And in this failed ballot initiative, which was kind of misreported in the media, even some people who are into elections, like on Twitter and social media, were saying, vote no on this amendment because we don't want abortion to be legal. Obviously, the amendment did the opposite, but even people who are engaged in elections across the nation misunderstood this ballot initiative, so I don't know how your average, so to speak, boomer voter would have been able to tell the difference between the two, between the two different sections. It was almost page long. I can guarantee you most people in their ballot box or using their mail-in ballot, I don't believe they were, they were reading that whole thing. And so if it was clear, concise, a few paragraphs, maybe even a few sentences over an entire page, it would have passed. So that happened in the August 2nd primary when Kansas struck down abortion, uh, an abortion ban, or I should say allowing an abortion ban. There's also an update on some Republicans who have backed impeachment. uh, Representative, okay, this is August 2nd. Jamie uh, Herrera-Buteller, she may win her primary. It is yet to be decided. She's running against Joe Kent, Mr. Inclusive Populism. I need a boo button. Uh, Mr. Inclusive Populism. Dan Newhouse's race also hasn't been called. He may win. I'm not too sure who his incumbent is, but Trump did endorse a opponent in the primary. And Peter Meyer, who is the Michigan representative, the the that state up north representative who voted to impeach Trump as a freshman member of Congress, pretty much concealing his fate in the legislature, pretty much ruining his political career, he lost his primary to John Gibbs, who was a great candidate. And Peter Meyer took the high road, came out, endorsed his former primary opponent to keep this seat Republican. Larry Hogan needs to take notes. When rhinos get beaten primaries... Rhinos need to unite behind their party. When true Republicans get beat by rhinos, I don't believe it's the same thing. It's, it's not the same at all. But Peter Meyer is a rhino who lost his primary in, in a now D plus 2.5 seat. It is a very, very tight seat. And he realizes that in order to keep this seat Republican, in order to stop Nancy Pelosi's agenda, which obviously his district wanted to stop when uh, sorry about that. When he, uh, if the, the audio got lower, I bumped the, the slider. Obviously, they wanted to reject Nancy Pelosi when, when he won in the first place. Right? So he needs to unite behind this candidate. I support John Gibbs. I, I'm, I appreciate Peter Meyer doing what he did to unite behind his opponent. And I hope JHB and Dan Newhouse are defeated in Washington. Their, their districts are Republican. There's no excuse to have rhinos representing those states. 
And I kind of want to move on to an, a public health crisis now, a public health emergency. And there's a lot of hypocrisy in here. We might actually have to split this into two segments because there's a lot of hypocrisy to get into. The U.S. has declared a public health emergency over monkeypox. The Biden administration has declared the monkeypox outbreak a public health emergency, a move that gives officials more flexibility to tackle the virus's spread. Uh, New York, California, and Illinois all declared public health emergencies related to monkeypox in the last two weeks. WHO has already declared monkeypox a global emergency. It has spread to more than 70 counties, or 70 countries, I'm sorry. The Department of Health and Human Services Secretary uh, Xavier Becerra made the announcement Thursday in a briefing on monkeypox. Federal officials can now expedite preventative measures to treat monkeypox without going through a full federal review, the Washington Post reports. Uh, We're prepared to take our response to the next level in addressing this virus, Becerra said Thursday. We urge every American to take monkeypox seriously and to take responsibility to help us tackle this virus. So monkeypox... And they were talking about wanting to rename it. They shouldn't have renamed it um, Pride Pox, if I'm being honest. But but the, the, the monkey pox is now a public health emergency, according to the Biden administration, according to a few dealing states across the nation. But it overwhelmingly affects one group of people. It's not people who go out a lot. It's not people who eat certain foods. It's not people who are around animals a lot. It is people who, who how, how do I say this without getting canceled? People who have more than one partner in a same-sex relationship. It does not affect most straight couples. It doesn't affect most exclusive gay couples. But people going to the parades and the raids and the crazy environments... That's who it affects the most. It's not going to affect me or you or any other average person. But, but the true fringe minority of, of crazy people who, in, who enjoy, what's the word, uh, polyamorous relationships. Those are the people it's going to affect. And I, I want to bring up some hypocrisy from a Washington Post article, which we'll get into in the next segment because we don't have enough time right here on this segment. But in the, in the Washington Post article, they mentioned something about how we can't recommend we can't recommend people stop having these relationships. We can't recommend people stop doing this action and we can't try to limit it in any sort of way. And I just want to preface this by saying COVID lockdowns were the wrong idea. Stopping people from doing something to stop a virus was the wrong idea. But monkeypox is spreading through one very specific way right now. It's not spreading through seven or eight different channels. There's one main channel and a couple small channels that they claim to try to take away the the attention from the biggest channel of monkeypox spread. Right there, There's one big channel, one big shebang that's going on in that instance. And they refuse to call it out. They refuse to say we should stop doing it. And they refuse to take a stand and say that's what's causing it. You're listening to The Conservative Crusader. This is The Conservative Crusader. Welcome back. This is The Conservative Crusader. Thank you for tuning in once again here on the Red Future Radio Network. Reminder that my show with Sam is out now. I I really enjoyed that program on 
The Samuel McGuire Show, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and Anchor. And there is also the um, my, my social medias to follow. Follow me on Twitter, Instagram, Gab, Getter, Parlor, Telegram, and Truth Social at GOP Josh 20 for the first two, at GOP Josh on the rest of them. Also, my Facebook is at GOP Josh. So we have this article from the Washington Post, which I pay for so you don't have to. As monkeypox strikes gay men, officials debate warnings to limit partners. Intercourse is the major driver of the global outbreak, but health officials and longtime HIV activists say calls for abstinence don't work. There was a Door Alley festival. You can read into that yourself. In San Francisco, days after the city official declared a state of emergency over monkeypox, which has disproportionately affected gay and bisexual men. There is a, a photo there, which I'm not going to mention. As Center for Disease Control and Prevention weighs into whether limiting, uh, recommending li- limiting sexual partners, health officials in San Francisco, Chicago, New York, and other U.S. cities battling surges, disproportionately sickening gay men, are avoiding calls for restraints, worry of further stigmatizing same-sex intimacy. Here's what uh, Scott Weiner in, in California said in, in, from San Francisco, who was involved in, in San Francisco's city monkeypox out response, the response to, to monkeypox. If people want to have it, they're going to have it. I'm not going to say the exact words he said. If people want to have bleep, they are going to have bleep. It was devaluating um, men's lives and health to not warn gay men. A columnist who has criticized the public health response to monkeypox said, Are we really on the verge of monkeypox being an endemic in, in gay communities all over the world? And how is that for stigma? But the thing is, I, I really like that quote from, from Scott Weiner there. If people are going to have it, they're going to have it. If people want, want to do something, they are going to do something. Now, my friends... This is what the right was saying during the COVID outbreaks. During the lockdowns over the virus that 99.9999999% of people survived. Right? We were saying, we were pointing this out, that monkeypox, or I'm sorry, COVID, will not be stopped if everyone stays home for a little while. Preventing the, the spread will not stop the spread. But building up an immunity to it is what will actually happen. I don't know that much about monkeypox. I'm not a doctor. It hasn't been out long enough for me to really know what the public opinion has been. But the opinion is, has pointed out how it's spread, how it spreads. And it doesn't spread as a, a, a viral infection. It doesn't spread through shaking hands nearly as much as it does shaking a couple other things. But it does spread primarily through intercourse between two men and in, in, in multiple relationships that aren't committed to each other. So if we are going to recommend or pretty much force people to stay home, to mask, to, to end their schooling because of, of a viral infection that 99.9999999999% of people are going to survive, why can we not do the same for People in those kind of relationships. Why, why are they exempt from the, from the stigma? Now you can't 
have a natural sneeze because you smell dust somewhere without people covering their face and saying, get away from me, get away from me. You have COVID. You, you have COVID. You, you can't get away from that. How, how is that stigmatizing? But that's okay stigmatizing. When saying that this is how this virus that everyone's afraid about is, is spread. I, I was listening to the Columbus News this morning before I went to work, and they were saying, yeah, well, uh, all the monkeypox vaccination time slots are full. You cannot get a monkeypox vaccine in Columbus. And we need about a million more to cover everyone that wants one. That's where we're at, folks. You have to stay home because some people are afraid of, of having a cough and a sneeze. But the, these people can do whatever they want and run free, spreading this, this new version of the smallpox to anyone they come in contact with. At least that's how they claim it's spread. And if they want to limit the spread, they could easily stop the spread. Hashtag stop the spread. They tried it once, they can try it again. And it will only affect a very small fringe minority of the community. And a small fringe minority, not only of, of, of the LG, the alphabet community, the LGBTQIA, LIA, uh, excuse me, uh, plus community. But it will also just, just stop, the, the majority of, the, of people will be unaffected. So, so it's that simple. Just, just do the same thing. Just try it again. Really. I, I mean, if people are going to do it, they're going to do it. So, so what, what hurts? What's going to be hurt by it? And while we're talking about COVID and, and health infections, in Capitol Hill testimony, scientists contradict Fauci's claim that the NIH never funded gain-of-function research. During a congressional hearing examining the origins of the coronavirus pandemic and gain-of-function research, multiple scientists witnessed contradicted Dr. Anthony Fauci's claims that the NIH never funded gain-of-function research. The statements made on repeated occasions to the public, to the press, and to policymakers by the NIAID director, Dr. Fauci, have been untruthful. I don't understand why those statements are being made because they, demonst- they are demonstrably false. Rutgers University microbiologist bi- uh, biologist, Dr. Richard E. Bright said Wednesday, responding to a question from Senator Josh Hawley. My question, can we ask him who a woman is, please? Just to help out... Um, Katandi Brown-Jackson, but Senator Rand Paul said on Wednesday afternoon that this contradiction backed by other witnesses that was the most damning thing to come out of Wednesday's hearing. The first hearing examining the role of gain-of-function research, a process in which researchers may stri- uh, stitch viruses together to make a chimeric virus for the purposes of studying a response. I was told directly to my face of the quote that is there from Dr. Fauci. They had never, ever funded gain-of-function research in Wuhan. Paul told the Daily Wire as he left the hearing referring to Fauci's May 2021 assertion that the NIH has not and does not now fund gain-of-function research in the Wuhan Institute of Virology. The same reason that Cassidy Hutchinson with the January 6th committee was willing to lie under oath, the same reason, it's the same reason that Dr. Fauci is willing to lie under oath. Because people who fit into the left's political agenda, people who fit into one side of the aisle, are exempt. Are exempt from the rules, exempt from the attacks, exempt from the court. Exempt from the punishment. Because if Steve Bannon went to this January 6th committee and said, I never once said anything about January 6th ever in the history of ever, he obviously lied. Right? He still talks about January 6th to this day on his program. And he would have been thrown away right away for, for lying under oath, for perjury. Dr. Fauci has said that they have not funded gain-of-function research, which is false, by the way. Publicly stated now in the records of Congress that it was false 
and he's a free man. Cassidy Hutchinson has been rebunked or debunked, I'm sorry, multiple times by people who were there. She heard it from a friend. They were there. And she is a free woman. It is not a, a equal playing field, folks. If you work on one side's agenda over the other, you are going to have a much harder time lying to Congress and getting away with it. And not that you should lie, but frankly, it happens. I mean, people people lie. If you are a leftist, pro-vaccine mandate, pro-mask mandate, pro-control human being such as Dr. Fauci, you're fine. Everything's fine. Don't worry about it. Say whatever you want to say. Say that you are the tallest man in the universe when you're 4'11". It doesn't matter. You will not get caught. If it's going to hurt President Trump, then lie. Hey, Cassidy Hutchinson, um, um, can you say that Donald Trump is the shortest man you've ever seen and, and he's severely obese and he's like 400 pounds, please? Well, I've never actually met the president. That doesn't matter. You're, you're going to be fine. Just say it. It'll help us out. It, it doesn't matter if they're leftist. It doesn't matter what they say if they are not a Republican, if they are not a conservative. If they are a conservative, they'll find something you said that was truthful, spin your words to make it false. It's that simple, that plain, that simple. It's unfair, it's un- unfit, and it's just wrong by e- every standard, the kind of fake justice we have in this country. It's absolutely shameful. So we are going to move on. To news about Alex Jones, and I, before we preface this, I want to say, I, I want to preface this with this. Alex Jones is is probably the reason I'm in to this industry. Alex Jones is one of the first people I listened to when it came to politics. It was Alex Jones and it was the mainstream media. Right, I stumbled across Alex Jones the way most people did. Probably the same way most of you stumbled across this program. It was Alex Jones. It was also Ben Shapiro, obviously, like most people in that industry, and we all know how uh, Ben Shapiro is now. But like most people, it was Alex Jones, it was Ben Shapiro, and they kind of got into this industry from there. And well, Alex Jones, because of some statements he said a long time ago uh, about Sandy Hook, he has to pay $4.1 million. The jury in Alex Jones's defamation trial on Thursday ordered the far-right conspiracy theorist to pay $4.1 million in damages over his repeated claims that the deadly Sandy Hook school shooting was a hoax. Jurors in Austin, Austin, Texas, gave their verdict after deliberating about one hour Wednesday and seven hours Thursday at the end of a nine long, nine days long trial, which saw Jones apologize and concede that the 2012 uh, 2012 massacre at the elementary school in Newton, Connecticut, was 100% real. The verdict levied against Jones was far below the 150 million or more, but the plaintiffs has requested that the jurors award them. In a separate phase Thursday, Friday, jurors also determined whether Joe's uh, Jones. Owes any punitive damages in addition to the compensation he was ordered to pay Thursday. This is most definitely a tragedy. I mean, Sandy Hook was a tragedy 100%. And I don't believe that it was fake. And I don't believe it was planned. I don't believe the deep state did it or anything like that. But people are false. The amount of times that people in the media are just wrong about something is overwhelming. You can't just know right off the bat 
what's going to be true. And that's why I try to wait a couple days to talk about things on this program. It's kind of hard a lot of the time. But I usually wait about one or two days or maybe even a show to talk about something. Because it just, there, there's never enough information the first day. There's never enough information to draw conclusions soon enough. There's never a time before the, the conclusion is made publicly by the people involved that it's 100% accurate you're going to make a conclusion, a proper conclusion. And that's about it. There, there, is, there is no way that Alex Jones can be 100% right about everything. Do I believe the parents were hurt? I'm sure they were. And I'm sorry it happened to them. I know loss is a hard thing. I mean, it's really sad that it happened. But if this money isn't going to school safety, if this money isn't going to protect children in schools to stop this from happening again, if this money isn't going for programs and school resource officers and metal detectors at the at the school, or even other things, I mean, what good is it? Besides making them feel happy and have seven figures in their bank account. No amount of money will bring their child back. It's that simple. And I'm sorry that they they lost their child. But I believe it's probably, and I'm going to say probably, it is probably a political attack to try to shut down Alex Jones to try to shut down him from from having his show and having his midterm coverage. Try to silence his political voice, because he's impactful. To silence his voice from the public and silence what he has to say. It's a political attack. It's a personal attack. And frankly, it it's shameful. You're listening to The Conservative Crusader. This is The Conservative Crusader. In our nation's 246-year history, there has never been an individual who is a greater threat to our republic than Donald Trump. He tried to steal the last election using lies and violence to keep himself in power after the voters had rejected him. He is a coward. A real man wouldn't lie to his supporters. He lost his election, and he lost big. I know it, he knows it, and deep down, I think most Republicans know it. Lynn and I are so proud of Liz for standing up for the truth, doing what's right, honoring her oath to the Constitution, when so many in our party are too scared to do so. Liz is fearless. She never backs down from a fight. There is nothing more important she will ever do than lead the effort to make sure Donald Trump is never again near the Oval Office. And she will succeed. I am Dick Cheney. I proudly voted for my daughter. I hope you will, too. I'm Liz Cheney. So if you missed the end of that there, that was the former vice president of the United States, Dick Cheney, war criminal Dick Cheney, right-hand man to George W. Bush, Dick Cheney, in a new television ad for 
Liz Cheney, his daughter. Saying Donald Trump is a threat to our republic. Donald Trump is, or actually democracy, but, but Donald Trump can never be near the Oval Office again. And Liz Cheney will make sure of that. Now, please tell me any Republican voter that outside of the Republicans for Biden or the Republicans against Trumpism or whatever the group is called that advertise this, this ad on, on Twitter. Which Republican voter in, in Wyoming is going to say, you know what? That guy, that guy's cool. I like that he hates Trump. I like that he hates the guy that made this state better than it's ever been. Let's vote for his daughter. I, I, I didn't want to spend a lot of time on this. I, I, I just wanted to say, I mean, that that is the former vice president of the United States running a TV commercial in a state with 500,000 people, reading a, a terribly written script and reading the script word for word. It was terrible. It was a terrible ad. He looked like he was Biden reading that script, to be honest. And it was just, it was a joke. It was, it's hilarious. I, I just wanted to mention that. That's why I had the laugh button. I mean, that was hilarious. No way is P- or any Republicans in Liz Cheney's district in her state of Wyoming going to vote for Liz Cheney again. And I'm going to have to use the other button after this next ad because I want to play it. It's from a real Republican, and I'm so glad it's finally happening. Our family's story is an Ohio story. My husband, J.D., grew up in Middletown, and things weren't easy. His mom struggled with addiction, and his dad wasn't there. But J.D. was lucky. He was raised by his loving grandmother, and he served his country as a Marine in Iraq. He's an incredible father, and he's my best friend. J.D. shared his family story in Hillbilly Elegy, and he wants for Ohio what Ohio gave him, a fighting chance. I'm J.D. Vance, and I approve this message. And that was an ad from the next U.S. Senator in Ohio, J.D. Vance. And I may have opposed him in the primary. I may not have supported him in the primary. I may have said that I don't believe he can win. I may have said that he's not doing enough campaigning. But he's finally out on TV running that ad. $3.8 million in in TV and radio ads, according to a spokesman for the uh, One Nation. uh, Close ties to Mitch McConnell. The NRSC paid for that ad. But it is finally, finally, finally getting across the state that J.D. Vance is still in the race. Tim Ryan has been uncontested on TV since May 4th with no connections or no actual attacks against him. But what I like is J.D. Vance putting is putting his best foot forward. It's his wife speaking in the ad. J.D. Vance isn't speaking, but he's just talking about how his record, his past. Now I hope the next ad talks about policy, maybe specifically economic policy. The biggest problem across America right now is the economic policy. I mean, I saw a report that I cannot confirm, so I'm not going to talk about it a lot, but supposedly gas prices are going to go up again because Saudi oil is raising their prices in September. So, I mean, J.D. Vance has to do more. I believe this is a great start, but I'm glad he's buying $3.8 million of ads. I'm glad he is doing something. I'm glad he is doing something more. And I just realized I didn't talk about a lot of races for, for, for the primary. I'm like, we're running really, really early. But there's more races in Congress. Kelly Looper, uh, Kelly Cooper in the Republican primary 
leads Tanya Wheelis 30% to 25%. I don't know much about that race or any of the other primaries in this in this race. But I do know that Blake Masters, a friend of, of J.D. Vance, or kind of running as a ticket, a, a nationwide ticket, will be joining him in the Senate as he is the Republican nominee in Arizona, obviously where, where, where Trump won, by the way. And he will be pretty successful, I believe. I'm very excited uh, for, for Blake Masters and J.D. Vance. That combo will be unstoppable, I believe, if they are holding to their campaign promises. Blake Masters won. Carrie Lake is leading in Arizona. Obviously, in Mich- Michigan, Tudor Dixon won. She won her, her primary to go against Gretchen Whitmer and more uphill fights. It's great. There is a lot, a lot going on with Republican endorsements and with Trump endorsements. And people are saying, well, Dick Cheney will, will take back the Republican voters leading towards Harriet Hagman in Wyoming. He simply won't. Republicans are too, listen too much, or not too much, but listen a lot to Donald Trump. And his endorsements are, are frankly unstoppable. And we saw that in Arizona. We saw that in Michigan. We saw that in possibly in Washington. We'll see. And it was a, a lot going on. There was plenty going on to more Trump endorsements. That's funny here. I'm, I'm reading the table that as of 12.26 a.m. on the 4th, I'm sorry, the 3rd came out from 5.38, Blake Masters won. Carrie Lake is winning. Or obviously, she wasn't winning then, but she's winning now. Eli Crane in Arizona 2nd is leading. I don't know if that's race been called yet. Tudor Dixon, obviously. Paul Gosar won his primary. Thank goodness. I hope he comes on the program soon. We've, we're trying to get him on. Uh, Joe Ken is trailing... Um, He's not the greatest. But in Missouri Senate, Eric Schmidt won the primary. So Eric won as as expected because Trump, you know, he does a little bit of trolling. We do a little bit of trolling. But Trump endorsement number whatever, whichever Trump, he, he, whichever Eric he endorsed, won that primary. We like to troll. We like to go the night before one of their primaries. We just, we do a little trolling. It's called we do a little trolling. So his endorsement in Eric Schmidt, if that's the Eric he meant to endorse, did win. He got about 45% of the votes, 45, at that time, and he won that primary pretty astoundingly. Winning against Vicky, against Eric Greitens, against Billy Long, which I hope he does something after politics. He's an incredible guy. He's an incredible candidate. He was incredible in Congress. I'm sad he's out. But a lot of Trump endorsements won. And the Trump endorsement is is on full steam ahead, showing he has not lost his influence in the Republican Party at all. And, And he's probably actually grown his influence. He's probably grown his influence a lot. And and I I wanna talk a little bit. I have just very little time left. I forgot about this. That that girl in Russia who had weed was found guilty. She'll have to be in there for nine years. Now, I'm sorry. I don't know what, what came across her mind or his mind, possibly. I don't know. That she should bring marijuana. And I don't have an article about this, so it won't be in the show notes. But bring marijuana to to, to Russia. And people are saying, well, she shouldn't have been in Russia. She, she should make the same amount as LeBron James. She doesn't have to, she doesn't have to subsidize her income by going to Russia. Why doesn't, if she's that good of a basketball player, 
if she's that phenomenal at her sport, if she's that good at what she does, or she, so to speak, if she's that good of a basketball player, just identify as a man. WNBA has no viewers, has no sponsorships. No one pays attention to the WNBA. It is subsidized by the NBA to keep it alive. Maybe the the B-tier players in the, in the NBA, the man league, should all come together and make like a, a Toronto transgenders or whatever the team could be called and play that in the WNBA to boost its ratings. So she wouldn't have to go across the the the, na- the ocean to play basketball, and I honestly think that NBA should stop subsidizing it. We, we are in a equal rights world where where people can choose what they want to watch. It is freedom, and obviously they're choosing not to watch the WNBA and pay any attention to that at all. So, and if we're going to to release a war criminal to free this girl with marijuana. Why are people in the United States still arrested for the same crime? And I'm not saying I support marijuana legal legalization. I really don't have a, a take in that. I don't really care about that. But if we're going to free and free a war criminal in order to free this girl who will be in there for nine years for weed, why are Americans in jail for the same thing? And why is this the same administration that will not legalize weed? Legalize marijuana. He, he. Biden already said he will. He, he would. He would not. Sorry, he would veto a, a veto a bill passing it. So just explain to me the the coherency with that. I really don't know. There is no common ground between the law in Russia and the law in the United States and the standards for Russia and the standards for the United States. We have the same laws Russia does. They're just not as strict. Why are we exempt from the same criticism that the Biden administration and people on the left are giving to Russia for the same thing? For the same thing. My name is GOP Josh. This has been the Red Future Radio Network's program called The Conservative Crusader. Very glad to be with you all today once again. GOPJosh.com. I forgot. The, I, for, I keep forgetting to mention the call-in number in the Patreon. Patreon.com slash GOPJosh to support the program for as little as $3 today. You can also go to Discord. It's uh, down below in the show notes. And GOPJosh.com is my website for all things GOP Josh. Every podcast is on that website. I have a full archive of that on there. Just find that at GOPJosh.com. My name is GOP Josh. Like I said, this has been the Conservative Crusader on the Red Future Radio Network. Make sure you listen to the episode of the Samuel McGuire Show with me. Listen to some more episodes of his show as well. It's a great show. But once again, my name is GOP Josh for the last time, not the last time, but until Monday, signing off. Stay tuned. You're listening to The Conservative Crusader. 